I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. The KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shalaos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. I was noticing this morning just what a beautiful sunrise there was going to be. You know, you look at the mountains, Mount Olympus, and it is such a so beautiful anyway. And then when you get pinks and purples in the sky in the morning... It's really fascinating. It is. I timed my arrival this morning right when that sun was peeking over and uh, just gorgeous. Last week, we were talking about indoor citrus. And so this morning, you are bringing on a special guest to talk about the best way to really pollinate indoor citrus. Yeah. I, and so we, we have Malia Nelson-Hokey on the line, who is a horticulturist. She has a gardening YouTube channel called Garden Wise Design. And I noticed that after we spoke to somebody with citrus, I basically told them to bludgeon their flowers with a Q-tip, and that would do the trick. And all of a sudden, this video appeared. <laughs> on how to properly pollinate citrus. He's and- like, do not bludgeon those <laughs> those poor things. <laughs> good morning, Malie. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Okay, so what is the proper way or the better way, I should well, definitely say? definitely do not be bludgeoning your citrus, pond. <laughs> do not. <laughs> what should we be doing? Treat then? them with loving care. That's the trick. Absolutely. Yeah, you just you just go in with the the Q-tip and just touch the pollen of each flower and just move that Q-tip around the, the tree. To each flower, and that will do the trick. Um, citrus, yeah, exactly. If you go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say if you if you properly pollinate it, you really up your chance for getting fruit. Yeah, and this one of the few uh, groups of plants that we can actually get flowers and fruit indoors yeah it's i love it It, it's really exciting and it ripens you know this time of year you know december january february march right when you're you know needing it so once you pollinate a flower how long is it going to take for your citrus plant to actually produce a fruit 
Well, I, I put out my video, and I had not listened to your show. I wish I would have listened to your you know your show before, mm. but um, I I did my video. It was probably about a week ago, and pollinated all those little fruits, and I and all those little flowers, and I'm actually starting to see fruit on them right now. So it's oh. been about a week. About a week that you start That's to see all. them, and then how long do you think it'll yeah. take before you can harvest? It's a good, well, it just depends on the variety, but it can be nine months to a year even. So this year's flowers will be next year's fruit. Yes, yeah. And they seem to, you know, for example, the Meyer lemon will ripen year-round, and it will flower year-round. But um, my Awari Satsuma mandarin, it's not going to flower until probably March, and then it will ripen about nine months later. Usually around Christmas time. So there is not so it just a, depends on the variety. Yeah, there's not a yeah. set bloom time or ripening time, but just generally fall and winter is when you get blooms and fruit. Well, yeah, it just depends on the variety. Each variety is different. So you'll probably need to look up your variety and see. You know, For example, I used to live in California, and luckily I wasn't out there with a Q-tip on each one of those <laughs> flowers. <laughs> they, were, they were outside. The bees did the work for me. But uh, I had a, an Awari Satsuma mandarin that would uh, flower in early spring, and then it would ripen just before Christmas. And I had a um, – it was a navel orange, and it would – it would flower a little bit after the mandarin, and then it would ripen January to March. Okay. So it's so interesting. I've had people bring me back lemons from California that have been grown outside, of course, and they are amazing, totally different from what you buy in the store. But I'm wondering, how many lemons do you really get a year if, you're, if you have a plant indoors here in Utah on a Meyer lemon tree? It depends on how big you let your tree get and how well you take care of it. But I've heard of people harvesting 50 at a time. Whoa. See, I would just think yeah. you'd get so, one every once in a while. And I always ask the question, is it really worth it? I think it is absolutely worth it. My tree will be two years old in a couple of months. And I've got four lemons that are going to be ripe in about a month. So you know, it's just going to increase from there. So, and then I have a, you know, because it's a Meyer lemon and it will ripen year, you know, year round, it's going to flower and ripen year round. I have little baby fruits ripening or starting right now. Um, I'm just going to have fruit available all year as soon as it's mature. So on your citrus, they're known for being a more difficult houseplant. What are you doing to keep your citrus healthy, especially healthy enough to produce flowers and fruit? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a learning curve. So the first thing that you need to think about, and the first thing that I did, it was get good lights. You, know, If you have a really good south-facing window that gets a lot of warmth and a lot of light, that's a great place to put them. But I don't have that. So I got some Sanse all-spectrum lights, um, you know, just off the Internet. And I have three of them pointing at my citrus plants. So it gets a lot of light there. So lights, number one. Um, you also need to keep it above 40 degrees, you know, just so that you can get the flowering and the plant stays healthy and continues to grow. And then they're very, very heavy feeders. Every three months or so, I'll give it some Osmocote, and then I, I fertilize with a weak liquid fertilizer every week. So weekly, weekly. So you keep that nutrition just cranking to them so that they can yes, do what and, they need to yeah. do. 
Yeah, so um, nitrogen is important, but not as important as the phosphorus and potassium. And then the very most important that I found, the one that, you know, it took me a good year to figure out is the calcium and magnesium. So I, I bought this liquid product called CalMag, and I mix that in about half rate with my other fertilizers and use that weekly. And my citrus has, it's exploded. It's done a lot better with that. Okay, don't judge me, but how messy is it to grow a lemon tree in your house? It's messy. <laughs> okay. I've got fallen flowers and fallen leaves that I clean up weekly. So they really have to be put in a, in a very special place. I couldn't do this in yes. my living room, right? You you could if you didn't mind vacuuming around it. Okay, well, messy's not my best feature. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, don't yeah, judge I have, me. <laughs> I have a citrus room. Or I, I have a plant room and they're tucked back in a corner. So, you know, it just, it doesn't matter at my house. So it's good. Okay. So before we let you go, what are some of the citrus varieties that you recommend people grow? Definitely the lemons. I really love the improved Meyer lemon. So that that's a good one. Like I said, it flowers you know, throughout the year, fruits throughout the year, so you don't have to wait for that one big harvest. Another one that I found that I really love, you know, it's uh, it's a new one to me right now, but it's the Australian bloodline, and it's a cross between the finger limes that you see all the advertisements for and orangipur lime. And so they're, they're small, kind of, I haven't tasted them yet, so I can't vouch for the flavor, but they say they're kind of a sweet tart flavor and they're red. Interesting. All right. Interesting. Well, you, your GardenWise Adventures, we'll put a link to that on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook and webpage. And then you also, really fast, you help quite a bit with the rare fruit, Utah rare fruit growers. And we'll put a shout yeah, out for that, yeah, too. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. Please join that Facebook group. There's a lot of people growing some really interesting stuff. And there's actually people trying hardy citrus outdoors. It's going to be really interesting to see how they get them you know, if they get them to survive our winters and then, you know, what they do to do it. Is it the pond yeah. cyrus that they're trying or? Um, no. Well, there are people trying that, but there's other people trying the yuzu citrus. There's there's a lot of, there's just a lot more hardy citrus. I don't know if they'll actually survive. You know, citrus trees will survive outdoors, you know, in our winters, especially if they're covered. There's a lot of them that will, but... It's number one. How does the fruit taste? And number two, does it get too cold to you know to actually have the fruit yeah. be okay? Mm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we need to have a follow up, but we really appreciate your time. Thank you, Molly. Yes. We appreciate yeah, well, you being you with us. Have a great day. Us. You too. The outdoor might be more my speed, though. But thanks for being with us this morning. And that is Molly Nelson Hokey. Uh, she's a horticulturist who is an expert at growing all sorts of citrus. Yes, and other things. Her videos she puts on her webpage are how, what to put in my yard, how to take care of them, why you're planting them. So she's a very knowledgeable person in multiple areas. All right. We are coming back with your phone calls and your questions. You can call us right now, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless 
and I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning. We're taking your calls and the phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. We do have a texter who wanted to chime in on the Meyer lemon. They say they lived in Southern California most of their life and they had a Meyer lemon tree. They say there, you'd mentioned this last week too. There is nothing like their fragrance. Uh, listeners who are considering a lemon tree should know that the Meyer has a different taste from the type that they get in the grocery store, which uh, they believe are Eurekas. And Meyers are much milder and almost have a floral taste and will not give you the tartness uh, that you need for many recipes. So you need, so they're a little bit sweeter then. They are. They're a hybrid between lime and orange. Mm-hmm. And true Meyer lemon has a lot sweeter flavor than actual lemons. And so the ones in the store may or may not be Meyer. Mm-hmm. They're saying they're probably not. They they don't look the same. So I'm No, assuming, and yeah. because uh, they are a lot larger, that's where the orange genetics come in. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what we see in the store is labeled of like Bing Cherry. It could be one of about 20 <laughs> different varieties that look sure. similar. So sometimes these lemons, they will say Meyer. I've even seen Meyer type, mm. and that gives them a little bit of a pass. But, yeah, they may or may not be. Okay, so you need to know that the Meyers aren't as tart as those that you usually find no. in the grocery store. Well, that's a good comment. Thank you so much for listening and participating this morning. Uh, next listener is Clay and Holiday. He was on the line but had to hang up. Um, but he wanted to know, Ton, about growing celery. And can you grow celery here? What types of celery would you grow? Utah used to be a fairly major celery growing region. It, I, I believe Dole had um, fields of uh, up in the Cache Valley because it was cooler. Celery is one that's interesting because, yes, you can grow it. It likes cooler weather, but it needs a long growing season. And so the Cache Valley was someplace they did that because it fit the bill. And so the varieties that you can look at, there's two of them, one called Pascal and then actually another one called Utah. And those are the major varieties that we're getting in, at, you know, all, all season long. And so it got its name because Utah was a celery growing region mm-hmm. back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. But it's one that, you know, for a beginning gardener, I don't know that I would plant up my whole garden into celery because it does take a longer growing season. If it gets way too hot, it may bolt. And so it's one that if you have the room, try it out because it has been grown here, but it's one of those that is not considered the easiest, although it is very possible to get a mature celery. 
He was also wondering, with as hot as it was this summer, would could you use misters out in your yard to kind of cool things down? Well, I, I the sustainability of that for me comes into question a little bit and it may cause a lot of fungal disease. And so what I would rather see happen, if you're going to be putting the money into something like that, I would get shade cloth and maybe a 30% shade and put that over the celery using low tunnels. And that way it will keep it five to 10 degrees cooler and probably keep it from bolting and a little easier to harvest. Yeah, I'm not sure if Clay was uh, speak. I think those were two separate questions. I'm not sure he was meaning just for celery. I think he was just talking in general. Yeah, I I have seen, witnessed whatever. My grammar today is poor, but um, <laughs> it's I, early. Yes, it's early. So I have seen in areas that some growers that are do growing uh, the yellow raspberries and some of the different uh, colored raspberries were too hot for them. And so they actually installed mist in their uh, growing areas and they would come on like every half hour and keep it cool enough that they could actually get a harvest. And But the only reason this was something they could do economically is they had some incredible water rights to some fairly clean well water. And so if you're trying to use secondary for this, you would need to use reverse osmosis Mm -hmm. or some very good filtering to get it clean enough for a mist system because the mist system would clog up on secondary water. Yeah. I've never checked out the price on a mist system, but it does sound kind of pricey. It can be, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, you know, if it was for five or six plants and you're doing it for the hobby, yes, you absolutely could. Yeah. Okay. But it's just one of those things, you know, the expense and you may increase the chance of fungal disease. Uh, next listener says they have a 30-inch wide pot next year. They want to try and grow alpine strawberries in it. Uh, is that possible? And would there be any special care? No, it's very possible. I would just download USU's fact sheets on growing strawberries. The alpine strawberry are tasty, but very, very small. And so when you go out into the wild, say you're hiking and you run into wild strawberry, that's alpine strawberry. And they're they're just tiny little things about Mm -hmm. thumbnail size, but they do have a lot of sweetness to them. Uh, Just an interesting fact, the strawberries you find in the store, the Mongo, like supersized Frankenstein strawberries that are way bigger than we can grow. The reason they have those varieties is that the geneticist who bred them found strawberries in Utah in our mountains that had a genetic very variation that they were uh, genetically they would produce fruit all year. Mm-hmm. And they had some other characteristics. And so modern strawberries have a lot of Utah strawberry genetics in them. All right. We're going to come back with more of your calls and questions. The number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.